speak of the men that were in my life, and that was my dad and his friends. Those are the men that I grew up going fishing and, you know, spending time with. And they were all pretty hardcore. They were gentlemen. They were nice men. They were hardworking men. He died at 54 years old, had a heart attack, boom. My dad died thinking I was a total idiot. He said, you got a snowball's chance in hell of having a career in that town. just a little more, always do a little more than it's expected of you. Happy March 2nd, 2022. Oh, I'm not actually in drive. This will be a little loud. Uh, Brandon will probably kill me later on this one. Um, I've got some empty six barrels in the back of the van that are going to cling a lot create some residual noise. But I had a lot of thoughts in my head here in the last couple of days and I just wanted to expound upon some of them. And we might we might honestly uh, see just how long we can do this podcast today before we get interrupted. Um, and th- that's always a real possibility uh, with, with my good friends that are my drivers and, and sales supervisors and what have you. You never really know what kind of phone calls are going to be coming in in the morning. God, I wish I could get a sponsorship with Liquid Death water. Oh, man, nothing like good water in a can. Um, My wife and I just got a uh, one of those digital or electronic doorbell monitors yesterday. And I'm not sure what the, the, the brand is. But what prompted this is that my, my brother was hanging out up here and spent the night with me on a Saturday a couple of weekends ago. And uh, it, was, it was girls' night out. My wife spent the night with some friends of hers in Knoxville, and, and they did some social activities and had a good time. Well, sometimes when it's just my brother and myself, I will buy a pack of American Spirit uh, menthols and smoke cigarettes that night while we imbibe and have a good time. I smoked for probably 10 years of my life, menthols. Uh, Salem Black Label, before that brand was discontinued. And then Salem's, and then Cool's, and Newport's, and what have you. I didn't realize this until my wife was talking to me about this the other day. And... There was a cigarette butt that was on our porch, like our concrete pad that's right by our driveway, but I didn't buy any cigarettes that weekend or that Saturday Saturday as it, as it was when my brother came up. There wasn't any smoking. 
I don't even know if my brother smoked any cigars because he, he likes cigars and he smokes cigars sometimes when we hang out. But the, the weather was extremely cold and uh, that wasn't a thing. So we have no idea where the cigarette butt that was on our concrete pad came from. And, and that's, that's unsettling. That's, that's, not, that's not a little thing. Because that makes it seem like someone was hanging out at our house when we weren't there smoking a cigarette. And then after they finished, they just flicked the butt on the concrete pad. So, so we've got one of, these, one of these digital doorbell monitors now. And we get alerts anytime we walk in and out the door. And that's fine. It's, it's nice to have some concept of some measure of protection. Um, better safe than sorry. But I guess, I guess the bigger point is, has our country always been this dangerous? How the hell did we get here? I live in the middle of the country in north, not central, but north, north, northeastern Tennessee. And that cigarette butt may mean nothing. It may be some random traveler or drifter that was just walking up and down the roads. And I, I don't know. I don't have a way to rationalize where that cigarette butt came from. But there, there, there's a real... I gather a real sense that in today's society, there's a very lack of very huge lack of empathy, a very huge lack of sympathy for human beings. There's not a great deal of appreciation for the sanctity of human life. And for someone like myself that's 42, when I was growing up, there was this god-awful video series called Faces of Death. And you can imagine, it was accidents and all these awful things that transpired. I never watched any of them, but my friends told me about them. And I don't know why there is this fascination with not only death, but documenting it. That's such an awful thing. Someone losing their life. Violence in general. All of these different cities in the United States that are struggling with violent crime. All of these different mandates and these different social protocols and mandates that have been implemented since COVID. Uh, there's been a lot of very negative offshoots from all this. And not everything has to be politicized, weaponized, demonized. But there's just a part of our country and a part of our society that bothers me. And it doesn't follow bipartisan lines. It, it doesn't follow religion. It doesn't follow, follow creed, ethnicity, any of those things. There's just, there's a part of our world right now where people are just content being assholes. And that's not good. This is the worst, this is the worst time in the history of modern America for that to be the, the majority of the sentiment out there. You have whatever you want to call petty theft or petty crimes in certain parts of California, as long as it's not more than $900 worth of articles being stolen. There's no, there's, 
there's no charges filed. <laughs> no one presses charges against any of these people. You you have a you have a homeless population in different metropolitan areas in different parts of the United States that's that has spiraled out of control because it's not been addressed for years. Violent crime in general, places like Chicago, places like St. Louis, is terrifying. You have all these social protests and these social riots that, that spiral into violence as well. And that's a whole other situation because we all, we all have the right for peaceful protest. There are some gigantic big ticket items in the fabric of America right now that not only need to be addressed, but, but they, they seriously need to be worked on. And whatever it is that needs to be done with communities, neighborhoods, local city government, state government, national government, to try to bring about some positive change within communities that are, that are downtrodden, with communities that have been slums and epicenters for violence and drug activity for years. That's, that's a real thing. There needs to be some serious implementation of social programs to allow people that grow up in these neighborhoods where it's literally survival of the fittest to have an opportunity to have a great life. That's not utopian. That's the damn American dream. That's why we have thousands of people every day that come to America from all parts of the world. They want freedom. They want democracy. They want personal agency. They want the ability to do something with their life independently that they would not have had a chance to do in their homeland. Nobody wants to be preached to. There are literally somewhere in the vicinity of two to three million podcasts in the world active today right now. And that number, just like cryptocurrency, just like the stock market and anything else, and your heartbeat is constantly going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. So that number is always changing. But the point is, you can listen to anyone that you want to. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be self-righteous again. Uh, I'm not trying to be pious. I'm not trying to preach to people. I'm just telling you that I'm 42 years old. I've lived in America my entire life. I've lived in probably six different states, seven different states. I've had over 30 different residential addresses. I've lived in a, a lot of different parts of the United States. I've traveled a lot more than I ever thought that I would when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. There's a lack of empathy. There is an inability for human beings to relate to one another. And while I'm not trying to preach, it is worth having that conversation. People, wake up. Use your brain. Be patient with each other. You go to a fast food restaurant, you could be in line for 20, 25 minutes. No one wants to work. And it's not only that, because that's like a gross oversimplification of the issue. People don't want to work crappy jobs that they that they used to work for years and years and years. And I don't know how they're surviving. I don't know how they're paying their bills. I don't know where a huge portion of this workforce in America is. But more power to them. I hope they're happy. I hope they're able to survive. And I hope they're able to pay their bills and take care of their family. And I hope that if they do come back to the workforce anytime soon, they're able to find something that is more suitable for them, more accommodating. 
Like, I, I, Rogan says it all the time that he never stays married to his ideas. And I've been that way my entire life. I might identify as a Christian. I might identify politically as someone that leans more right, more conservative, while still maintaining, maintaining a, a huge portion of my political identity in the center. But that doesn't mean that I have turnkey, traditional viewpoints on every aspect of life in America. We have all got to be able to compromise. And the P word, patience. I'm going to use that word over and over and over and over again. I've got a sister in Atlanta that I don't talk to. I miss her. I love her. I hope she's well. We don't talk to each other. The last time I remember seeing her was when my father passed away. That was in 2015. And my memory is awful. I, I can't produce memories that I want to keep and then random things from six, seven years ago that have no bearing on the consequences of real life pop up. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? I said on a previous episode that I would try to give some background on myself so you understand where these takes, where these concepts come from. And we'll get back to patience and positivity here in a little bit. I've always told you on these episodes that there's always a preface. I'm always trying to justify my viewpoints, my opinions. I'm always trying to tell you that I don't think that I'm special, that I don't think that I'm more important than someone else that I that I don't think that I'm ever going to be someone like Joe Rogan's obviously a bad example because that's one of the number one podcasts if not the number one podcast in the world and he's he's built that concept over 12 13 years but I have all these thoughts in my head and I've had these thoughts forever and I've always wanted a way ah poor dear I've always wanted a way to communicate this with the general public don't you love how cars see you come in from half a mile away and then they wait till you're right on top of them and then they pull out in front of you? What is that exactly? Is that person an incel? Is that a psyop right there? What are you trying to do? <coughs> Excuse me. You view the world in a very specific way when you're me. I'm 42 years old. My mother passed away in 2011. My father passed away in 2015. I don't remember my grandfather on my mother's side. My grandmother on my mother's side was the only grandparent that I had any relationship with because my grandparents on my father's side died in the 50s and the early 60s. My aunt, who was essentially my brother's second mother, passed away from a heart attack, dropped dead on the floor, gone. And then there's all the countless animals that were a part of our family growing up. We were huge dog fans. My life is managed by ghosts sometimes. I try not to fixate on these things. I have a very dark, messed up sense of humor sometimes, and that's my coping mechanism, and no one's gonna change that. 
I don't force that on people. Uh, I try not to bring these conversations up. I, let, me, let me change that, that last statement. I don't force that on people anymore. I used to be the guy that would walk in the room and try to say something awkward just to get a reaction out of people. And that's not, uh, that's not a great person to be. Now, I, I, work, I work in the beer business, so you're always going to be around a large group of people that probably have a little more liberal mindset, a lot of people with gigantic type A personalities because that's, that's what helps us be successful in this business. And so maybe some of that personality still exists in this world. But the point of all that is, I miss my family. I, I miss my family and I wish that they were around to see my little girl and to meet my wife and to see what our life has become. And I've mentioned this same thought on previous episodes. I don't think anyone owes me anything. I'm not entitled to anything. I don't ever want to be some type of emotional or psychological victim because of the losses in my life. Because whatever this world is that I've experienced is not even a fraction of how awful it is for people that grow up in certain parts of Africa or if you're a Uyghur Muslim under Chinese rule and authority in an internment camp or if you're one of a thousand other situations that exist in the world that's just mind-bendingly awful and terrifying. So, you take the circumstances that you're given and you try to make the best of that situation. But having said that, I don't have a lot of patience for stupidity. Because life is really, really short and unpredictable. And God can punch your card any day that he wants to. And so that circles back around to what I'm seeing right now. Patience. Patience, people. Please practice patience, people. The four Ps. Fast food restaurants take 25 to 30 minutes to get your food out. A sit-down restaurant may take you may take longer than that. There's no parts available or supplies available for anything that we need. You got peanuts, you got no butter. You got toilets, you got no paper. We see this in our world all the time in the supply chain. You have corporate distribution centers across America that are good paying jobs. Some of them are union, some of them are not. Great benefits, great pensions. People are leaving those jobs. People are leaving jobs from any industry and any economic walk of life in the world right now. Again, I don't know where they're going. I don't know what they're doing. More power to them. I wish them the greatest success on their future endeavors. Isn't that like the blanket statement that employees give you in a severance package or a separation later, letter whenever they lay you off or terminate you? We wish you the greatest success in your future endeavors. What, is that, what the hell does that even mean? My future endeavors. Am I a character from Lord of the Rings? Are we going to fight Sauron? My future endeavors? The world has never seen anything like this in our modern day. I don't know what the Great Depression was like. I don't know what the reality of society in the world was like during World War I and World War, world War II. We've never seen a conflict like that before. But a lot of people are not working or they're not doing the jobs that they did before. All those companies are suffering because they're, they're losing that workforce. They've lost that workforce. I've heard... 
I've heard stories about restaurants around Knoxville that are offering dishwashers $16 an hour, literally just to wash dishes, and people aren't able to be open either Sunday and Monday, Monday and Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. There's a lot of restaurants that are closed down two consecutive days in a row just because they're having to pull, if they have multiple locations, chain restaurants or, or independent chains, <coughs> excuse me, they're having to pull staff from all of their home locations and just have them on this rotating schedule just so these restaurants can stay staffed in general. Whether it's a trucker strike or just a shortage of truckers in general, the, the transportation chain and the supply chain is, is, is always in a state of flux. It's a weird world we're living in. And I would love for, for this strange science fiction reality that we're living in to have passed over a year ago. I don't want to be two years into this COVID reality and then Russia, Ukraine breaks out. And now we're trying to justify which opinion, which side of the fence we stand on with that. Can we get 2018 back? Can we get 2019 back? Where the only thing that we thought about was uh, the, the idiocracy of the final two candidates for our presidential election. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a member of either one of those families, the Trumps or the Bidens. Because every day of your life, every television is telling you what an idiot your father is, your uncle, your husband, your brother, whatever member of that clan you are. And they're, they're picking apart every single policy and every decision that individual makes. That's got to be a terrible life. And I get that. But you know what's also reality? Don't play a god-awful reality show TV character when you're in office. Don't tweet. Don't lose track of your words every time you do a nationally televised press conference. Don't be a hardline legislative official from 30 years ago and then you try to consider yourself part of the politically correct woke crowd now. These could not have been the last two best candidates that we had available. And that's where we ended up. And now this is where we are. You have an America that some people will tell you is more divided than it's ever been before in the history of this country. You have an America where some people will tell you that is just the loudest critics that you find on social media and that everything gets blown out of proportion, that it's not nearly that bad. That if people actually sit down and have conversations, there's a lot more that most of us as citizens in this country have in common than, than we do not. I tend to agree with a lot of that. But you never know that from the corporate press. And again, I realize anytime someone listens to a podcast like this, where it's got some type of large worldview conspiratorial direction to it, you may turn it off immediately. But there's no way to talk about the life that we're leading right now without discussing some of these points. Please practice patience, people. I don't have answers to the politics. That's something where those individual parties, uh, 
the burros and the elephants are going to have to figure out how to revamp those parties in general and come up with better candidates for the primaries and, and every single situation that you have. I don't know how to find real human beings that want to be president. And all of these are regurgitated ideas that you hear from a thousand different political shows. So I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm not offering anything new, but I'm just reiterating some of these thoughts and some of these points. If you want to be president, that's not a good situation. I don't want you as president. Who in the hell wants that job? There is no way to conceptualize how mind-boggling, how mind-blowing that job must be. The stress. The stress and the reality of all that, to be in charge of all these decisions, to be the figurehead for the most loved and at the same time the most hated country in all the world. There's no middle ground with America. People love America and they want to come here and they want to be a part of this nation or they hate it because it stands for everything that is the complete opposite of the world that they grow up in or the world that they identify as home. There's no nuance. There's no compromise. America's love or hate. I've mentioned all of this on a dozen different episodes and I'm just going to continue to mention it because I, I'm I'm out here in the world with all these different businesses in my pocket of America and I see these interactions, I see these people, I see these people stressed out, I see the emotional and the psychological reality of so many different individuals. To go from a place like Sevier County and, and, and almost the Pigeon Forge area, which is one of the largest tourist destinations in America top three every year and then to drive through Campbell County and La Follette towards my home which is a gigantic summer lake and ATV tourist destination during the vacation months when the kids are out of school you see a lot of people man downtown Knoxville is really cool the University of Tennessee campus area those bars those restaurants those concepts I work with some very dynamic individuals people are stressed out more so than they've ever been because there's so many things that are out of their control if you treat your employees with respect and you offer them a respectable wage I want to believe that you can keep them I don't know I walk into a dozen different restaurants every day two dozen different restaurants every day and every other week, it's a rotating roster of someone that lost a, a dishwasher, a kitchen manager, a line cook, a bartender, a bar manager, a bar back, a host, a GM, an assistant GM. I don't know what COVID did to us. I'm sure there's something good that came from all this. Maybe if I ever have a chance to interview a, a relatively large swath of people that have changed careers, maybe I could ask them or people that aren't working currently, like, how are you doing this? How do you feel about this? Do you think that you're in a better situation? When you re-enter the workforce, are you going to a completely different industry? 
I want people to have personal agency. I want people to be able to put themselves in the best situation that they can. Personally and professionally. I'm blessed to be in the world that I'm in. I'm blessed to have the job that I do. I'm blessed to have this company vehicle. I've got five and a half years in with the company that I work with now. I'm extremely happy and satisfied with this job. That's a reality that not a lot of people experience. But I work my ass off to get here. I put 12 years into the grocery retail business. I worked at stores in Arlington, Virginia and Washington, D.C. that did over a million dollars a week. They did over six or $700,000 a week. I worked in produce departments that sold over $140,000 a week in product. I know anyone listening that's not a grocery nerd has no frame of reference for these numbers. These are ridiculous things. You can take a Super Kroger that's got a fuel center that's built next to an interstate exit and that store might do a million dollars a week in total sales. That's with fuel sales. I'm talking about a 40,000 square foot grocery store built by the Glebe Road interstate exit in Arlington, Virginia that was built to do $300,000 a week and sold over a million dollars a week. You want to talk about a sea of humanity. You want to talk about trucks seven days a week that you're breaking down breaking your back over, jacking your shoulders up, banging your knee on a metal storage rack. The grocery business to this day has made me the person that I am, which is not not always a good thing because there's always a sense of nervous anxiety. There's always a sense of what have I done wrong? How much faster can I do what I'm doing right now? Because something bad unexpectedly is going to pop up and you're going to have to address that issue. It's go, 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 go. Constant sense of, uh, excuse me, urgency. I'm the person that's always tapping their feet when they're sitting in a desk in a meeting. That's how I was programmed. That was my first job in the grocery business. And there's there's a part of that approach to life that I don't like because I do feel like that I'm always in a rush and I always have, excuse me, my head on a swivel waiting on something bad to happen occupationally that's not a good way to live but it is good because that programming helps me get things done expediently and efficiently I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but when I have an organized to-do list in front of me and I've got the day planned out even when things unexpectedly pop up I can generally get tasks done as I said expeditiously and efficiently And so I'm thankful for that. But I bounced around to a lot of different high volume concepts. And then in the tail end, I worked for Aldi in Middle Tennessee. And Aldi pays a very competitive salary. They have great benefits. They have full-time benefits, at least they did. I don't know if they still do this, that were available to people that worked at least 25 hours a week. So if you worked really hard and you were a consistent employee and you were reliable, you could work a part-time job and have full-time medical benefits and and that's great. But I weighed at least 50 pounds lighter whenever I left Aldi than what I do right now because those guys have minimum payroll. They have trimmed the fat down in their store units to operate at maximum efficiency, maximum gross profit. 
So if someone calls out or if someone gets injured stocking shelves, you're in a pickle. But that's fine because that's a great company that offers great pay and great benefits. They get what they pay for and they're competitive in all those different aspects. My first job was in a blueberry farm when I was 15 years old. I also worked in some some oil fields doing some pipe fitting. Now, of course, that's not a skill set that I retained. I was more general labor. And then the last job, one of the last jobs that I had before I got into the sales side of all this business was I was a delivery driver for Lippman Brothers in Nashville. I ran a bulk route. I ran a grocery store delivery route on a box truck where you're handling every case on your truck three or four times. They're not palletized. You don't have a power jack when you pull them off your truck and then you just have the receiver scan them and you stage it somewhere, a merchandiser comes and grabs it and then you move on to your next stop. <coughs> Hell, between Aldi and Littman Brothers when I was in Middle Tennessee in the Murfreesboro and the Nashville area, I probably weighed 205, 206 pounds. I probably weigh 250, 255 now. It's a different world, man.